Hello, uh, welcome to Property with a View. I'm Mike Harlow, and in this series of podcasts, for and on behalf of the Digital Property Market Steering Group, we talk to leaders from across the property market about how conveyancing, both residential and commercial, uh, works today and what we can do to make it simpler, less stressful, and more efficient. In this episode, I'm talking uh, to somebody, though, who's not from the UK property market, but from Norway, because Norway is good. I mean, it's a beautiful country. Um, It's an extraordinary coastline. Um, I uh, envy the person who had to go out there and and map all of that. Um, It's a country that's uh, a little bit larger than the UK, but only has a population of uh, five and a half million, which is less than a tenth of the UK. And um, it also has uh, seemingly a, a convincing processor and, and therefore a, a property market uh, that is uh, highly enviable. And I'm joined today to talk about what that is, what the experience of uh, buying and selling property uh, in Norway is like by Hannah Cook of, I'm going to mispronounce this, Kartverket, um, uh, which is the Norwegian mapping authority that does, uh, amongst other things, uh, what land registry does, you know, land registration. Um, welcome, Hannah. Uh, thank you very much. You you kindly also came over and talked at the conference uh, that the Digital Property Market Steering Group did. Um, and, but I uh, want to take this opportunity to um, talk to you in more detail about how uh, the Norwegian process worked, what the experience is like, and, and how you got there. Because um, I'm sure there are lots of people who would like to um, just follow the, follow the pattern. But um, first, a uh, little bit about you tell us about uh, your background and and how you came to be doing this job because um uh you've got a lot of experience i believe in in finance and banking which is kind of uh, uh, been super helpful in your journey to get here well first of all mike thank you so much for inviting me and it was uh, such a great experience to joining the uk uh, last year as well to uh, see you kick off this really exciting journey and it's a pleasure for us to actually share our experiences as well. Uh, even though we started the same journey quite a few years ago, we're still not at uh, the end goal and the ambition yet. So I'm hoping that you'll catch up and we can learn from you later on. Uh, but as for my background, um, I've been with the Norwegian Mapping Authority and heading up land registration for about three years. And before then, I've actually had a long career in consulting and the financial sector mainly, working in uh, banking, both with IT and also with the personal market, uh, which uh, links onto property. I've had uh, also a short stay working in as a... Um, a digital CD, CDO for a large credit management company, knowing how technology works. And then I've also had the chance to work with the property industry before joining Kartvekia. So this for me is a way to use all the experience from different parts of my background uh, to try to move forward with Norway on the land registration part. Wonderful. So um, let's let's get straight into it. If I'm, and, and we'll use a residential example, but I also want to talk about, you know, uh, what it's like to to try and buy and sell commercial property in Norway as well. But um, the most kind of common accessible uh, comparison, I'm sure, is, you know, buying and selling at home. So just tell me, what's the experience like? Um, just, you know, um, if, I'm, if I'm selling or buying um, in everyday terms, what can I expect? Well, first of all, most Norwegians own their own homes. So that means we all, most of us have very sort of close personal relationship in buying and selling a home. 
And uh, therefore, it's a process that people really have high expectations of. So if I want to sell my home I uh, or even buy a home, I go to what we have as a real estate agent, which is slightly different from what you do in the UK. Uh, they do a lot more than marketing. They basically facilitate the whole process, uh, including uh, liaisons with surveyors and data collection, etc., And uh, they put together a complete documentation, which for us is about 100 pages about the property. And then they put it on the market and they guide us through it. And uh, as long as we fix the mortgage, everything works automatically. And land registration also is a part of that process. So as a house buyer or seller, I rely on the banks and the real estate agent and the land registration authority to collaborate to make this process work on its own. So all I have to do is to put my house up for sale, agree to the pictures, provide the necessary statements and uh, make sure I've got my mortgage sorted and uh, then sign the document once I've found a property I want. So um, if I'm, you know, let's say I'm, I'm interested in, in buying a property, I, uh, the estate agency is on, you know, I can see things online, presumably, and, um, I, I, and I go and visit the property and I, and, I, and I like it and I put an offer in. What would I expect in terms of time between then and um, being able to move in, all things being kind of, you know, normal, equal Well, in Norway, uh, the average time from you plan to sell your property until it's sold is 47 days, basically, from it's on the market. Um, That's the market perspective. Uh, But you can actually buy and sell a property and move in within a week, uh, depending on uh, if people want to move out early or how that works. But technically, there's no reason why you can't do that in a week from the second you find a property till you actually take over. So if so, just get that clear because that sounded astounding the average from planning so uh, you know thinking right i'm going to sell to selling is 47 days yeah that's what to understand that right okay so yeah, that's a, usually usually we say if you take a normal process uh just yeah. putting the sales prospect in order having pictures taking having the yeah. surveyor come because we do all that up front uh, yep. to get all the documentation in order. If you plan for a month, that's more than enough, and then you can sell. But often, depending on region in Norway, some properties stay on the market longer or shorter, so you shorten yeah, yeah. plan for that, yeah. basically. But, but yeah. But if you, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're asking a ridiculous price, then you're going <laughs> to wait a long time, aren't you, for a buyer? But, um, um, but you know, t- taking that kind of how long does it actually take to find a buyer out of it basically if you if you're you know you're going to find a buyer quickly because you're putting it on at a price to sell you can expect a month to kind of get all the paper work and we'll come to one whether it's really paper but get get all the information together and then so something like two three weeks it sounds on average thereafter to the point where you've literally sold i mean that's not exchange of contracts that's actually money in the bank keys handed over yeah and land registration completed wow um so that that is a very different experience um and i I know it's probably you know difficult for you (laughs) for you to know um i don't know if you try to you know buy and sell property in the uk but um 
what what difference does that make to the way people perceive and the way people behave in the property market because um it, i i noticed this when 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 you came over and talked to the conference and i know i also noticed that the law gazette picked up on this which is one of our um sort of professional magazines over here when they uh, they said um uh, they were joking that you, they said your your English was you know pearlescent, um, and uh, they said, but the only thing you didn't seem to understand was the word chain, um, which is where we have, you know, people you know linking sales and and, and purchases, and you know it's one of my kind of uh, armchair theories that part of that is because we're anxious about the effort and time it takes to buy and sell. Therefore, you know, if we're moving. In order not to feel like we're going to get, you know, fall in between two, you know, boats that are, you know, parting and we're going to, you know, end up in the water, we end up trying to lash everything together. So, you know, I suppose I'm trying to, I'm leading the witness a bit, but what you know, is there? A, is there a difference in terms of, you know, how people uh, think about the ease of moving, which you think leads to sort of different behaviours in the market? Well, um, as you said, I don't know too much about the UK property market, but my father lives in England, so I have uh, watched his process of buying and selling from the sideline and was actually quite shocked about the documentation and the whole process he had to go through and how long it took compared to uh, what we do here and how they had to wait for different instances. But I think for for Norwegians, it's all to do with um, the only risk that we're basically stuck with is how quickly do we sell our own property. That's always a risk if you want to buy something new. And how do you wait it out in the meantime? But what we usually do up front is if we want to sell a property, most people would sell their property they have first uh, and make sure that's settled. Uh, and also, you, you would also agree with your bank quite early that you can have a temporary financing arrangement if you have to wait to sell your own property um, right. before you take over. And also, depending on how that works, you also agree a takeover date with the new uh, property owners and that's usually three months but it could be a week and it could be six months depending on what people agree um, so that's where you have the managing of the risk is basically how long would you actually survive with that temporary financing but given that the property market works quite quickly as long as mm -hmm. you talk to a real estate agent and they think there's a good time to sell what the market's like etc it's basically a calculated risk where we can uh we can actually expect the turnover to move a lot faster than uh, what I hear that you do in the UK. And that, of course, takes the risk down. So that you don't therefore, I mean, you, you, you said you try and you, people will try and arrange completion as one way of, of mitigating the risk so that they, um, they arrange completion of the transaction for, you know, the same time. But are they... Are they therefore not linking contractually, linking, you know, purchase and sale and purchase and sale and, you know, because you can get chains that are really long here. No. No, we don't usually do that. We sell our property and then we could easily, if we buy that from one process, we can sell through a different real estate agent and uh, have a separate process. So we can run this sort of as separate processes in many ways. Or you could, of course, talk to your real estate agent and link it if you want to and negotiate that. But normally people don't. So, so let's then um, talk about it from the perspective of the um, the the buyer. If I'm if I'm if I see a, a, a property on the market, 
um, what what can I see about it? Um, I mean, obviously, I can see the pictures and go and have a look around it. But it, it, what other what other information can I can I see? Is it everything I would ever want to see and and, and understand about the property, or, or you know, or what, might I still be, you know, as the process ca- carries on, might I still find out things that surprise me, make me worry about purchasing or the price I've paid or whatever? Yeah. I think what you're pointing out there is one of the key differences between the way we run this in the Norwegian market and the UK market, because uh, the public registers that we manage, we have a lot of information about the property, both the property boundaries, the property in itself, uh, all the legal information about it in terms of title ownership. But also, uh, before you put a property on the market in Norway, you always have a surveying done up front. So all the technical information about the property is a part of the sales package. So you wouldn't put it on the market unless that is in place. And that means you have all the information about the technical standards, etc., to do with the property on top of the titles and everything. So you don't have to go through the process afterwards trying to get that documentation in place. And also there's a very um, regulated uh, area. So there's very strict requirements to what information needs to be in place so that you get the trust you need. And also, um, if there are any uh, doubts, you also, as a seller, usually have to write a declaration stating that this is the information I know about it. So if there are any surprises, that will actually backfire on you as a seller as not coming forward with it. So um, basically, all the information you need is available by the time you go and look at the uh, property. And some people today even just look at the property online uh, with the digital uh, uh, internet scanning of it and then buy it from there because the documentation is in order. But most people like to touch and feel. That's quite a lot of stuff to trawl through. In practice, do people really read that? Or um, are, are there, you know, are there sort of services that offer some sort of you know digest or summary or risk assessment uh, of that information well basically it's quite standardized so once you have a property and if you read one uh, one piece of documentation you could recognize it in the same standard and the same format throughout and there are very specific things you look at so the surveyors have their standards they follow that's put into the real estate uh, sort of pre-packaged for sales um, and you know what to look for there's always a summary but you are advised to look at it and you know what to look for like oh be careful that there's no leakages or foundational damage or if there's any um, uh, red marks or flags that have been raised so as long as you uh, sort of skim through that you don't need to understand all the technical details but I think most people read through the most important parts of that documentation because that is your legal document. Yeah, and 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 presumably after a while, once you you've looked at a few, you can get familiar with what, um, how it's constructed, and and you know what what would concern you about a a property. Um, so if I I I can see a property, um, I can just look at it online, um, or or, or you know go and see it as well. I make an offer, um. If I if I make an offer, does does you know, given that the amount of information that's available, does that then bind me, um, or uh, you know, can I can I still change my mind? Is you know, am I am, when am I hooked in contractually? Once you give an offer, it's actually a binding for the time frame. You usually say that this offer stands until the certain time or date or um, so on. But from that second, if it's accepted, it is a binding commitment. 
and uh, then you can't opt out of it unless there are any specific uh, contingencies that you actually put forward. But that then you actually are obliged to buy the property given all the information that was there. And and that's the law, right? So it's it, yeah. it's it, it, that and so so there was a um, has that always been the case in Norway, or was that something that was um, because it, it 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 it's a it's a system uh, that depends upon the fairness of of that being bound in right and it's and it and it sounds like it's fair because what else do you need to know you know you're not going to find anything else out about the property because i've given you ample opportunity to look around it and see it and read everything um i guess the only thing you haven't had is legal advice on um you know the sort of technical stuff or have you so if i'm a buyer before i make an offer do i do i get somebody to look over it and tell me whether i'm misunderstanding it or missing something or well, you can always take the uh, sales package or the documentation there, including the surveying results, and go to somebody and say, could you look at this? Is there something I should worry about? But usually these sales processes are quite quick. So if you're going right. to do that, you need to uh, do it in a week or the property you want might disappear. So, um, yep. But you can do that. But usually people, most people won't unless there's something very specific or if they know somebody who can they can ask, ask for advice. But apart from that, people usually manage this on their own. But I think that's also because the information is presented in a very readable way. Okay. So there's even a standard for how it's presented, is it? It's not? It's pretty standard, yes, with what yeah. needs to be uh, presented. And also uh, it's a standardized. Most of the real estate agencies use a system where all this is automatically uploaded into a standard format and then they can uh, do the marketing bit. They can uh, write that part. But a lot of it is just sort of off the shelf, ready-made standard graphs and uh, the way the technical uh, summaries are done. So I, I want to come on to how how you got there, how you um, you know got the information in in uh, you know in well the process into that shape, but also the information into that in, into that shape to make it you know uh, uh, to make it work that well. Um, can I just ask about commercial property? Is is there the same framework um, for the way the commercial yeah, property sales work? Um, is there the same requirement on upfront information or, or, or is that sort of different for, for cultural or systemic reasons? From, from our side, from a public sector side, basically, we have the same information available about commercial properties as we do for uh, sort of residential properties. But in terms of the process, it's often a lot more money at stake uh, if you buy commercial properties. And that means there might be more lawyers involved to make sure that uh, goes through the way it does. And it also usually takes a bit longer um to actually get those processes uh through so you would probably find more legal uh involvement and also um uh, more meetings between the parties in negotiations uh, basically because the value and the size of the commercial properties yeah. but uh, and also of course when it comes to farmland etc there are special regulations as well to preserve farmlands etc we need to uh, cater for but apart from that a lot of the process is the same but uh it's all about securing your investments, isn't it? So the upfront information is is as available, but the it's not binding offers. Um, it's it's more a kind of um, expression of interest and then a negotiation of of what the purchase might look like. Usually, um, you do have a binding offer once it's made, but it's usually a longer process right. leading up to that. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, so. 
how did you how did you get here? So it, the, the, let's let's talk about the um, the information how um, and and how that travels around the system because you talked about a pack. Is it literally a you know paper scanned uh, uh, on onto a system, or are we talking about standardised data that? You know, um, the banks can consume. Um, everyone, you know, can send around to each other. Um, it doesn't matter who, who, you know, who who you're sending it from or to, because everyone's, you know, talking the same language digitally. How, how does it work? Well, if you um, start with the registers that we have, all the information in our registers are digital available and linked up so the banks can actually consume that into their systems uh, directly and look up the information they need, um, both for real estate agents and banks. So from that perspective, all that information is readily available. And also when the banks and real estate agents have their sort of support systems and their vendors, they use that as an integrated part to make sure the flow is as automatic as possible. And then you have surveyors, et cetera, that can uh, put things into their system. And that is actually linked in automatically. Pictures are loaded automatically. So everything's tailored around the digital world in many ways. Uh, If you go back 20 years, it was much more paper-based. Now it's more digital uh, on what you do. And all all sort of marketing is basically online where you can download uh, the information automatically. So if you've gone into a Norwegian website of selling properties, you'd be able to get all the information ready there. And you'd see that there's pretty similar standards set up uh, in the way these um, pre-packaged sales information is put together. Um, And also, I think the key thing as well that we've done in recent years and the last five years is actually do the automatic communication between bank and real estate agents, which facilitated the process a lot um, in many ways. And also for us at the... um, uh, as the land registration, we used to have a very manual paper-based um, system. Then we had a parallel track. We could also use digital. And through the collaboration with real estate agents and the financial banking sector, we've now been able to actually uh, fast track that process a lot more by exchanging more and more information digitally. So for us today, it's always been two days, a maximum time um, to do the land registration. But now it basically, uh, uh, most of it happens digitally, about 70 to 75% is done automatically. So that's the um, uh, the, the process of registering the, the the change of ownership itself is is sufficiently formulaic that you you know you, you leave a computer to 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 run an algorithm and and, and update the register uh, in seventy ish percent of, of of cases. So uh, as soon as the application is received and verified. Um, uh, the the register is up to date within seconds. I'm presuming from that. Yeah, basically the system is um, that uh, our deadline, whether it is electronic or manually, it has to be done within. It has to be registered the first day if we receive it before two o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and uh, the automatic registration happens both digitally and manually process at nine o'clock in the evening, and then we check it the second day uh, either digitally or manually. Um, and then everything's in place within two days. So there's what slows us down if people send us things via mail. The postal system is not what it used to be in Norway either. So that's the slowest part of the process if you choose to go the manual way. Um, 
which I think is is one of those um, sort of unintended consequences of digital uh, information exchanges being so good is actually um, at some point um, the the male suffers, right? So, um, but um, uh, let, I, I guess it's a kind of uh, relatively nice problem to have because um, it means that the rest of it's working well. Um, so, what did what did it take to get um, everyone to work? together in that way because what you're what you're describing is um something that works because everyone approaches it the same way every you know there is a, a standard pack of information that becomes therefore reliable and understandable there is a standard way of communicating uh, between you know surveyors and real estate agents and banks and land registry um how, how does that happen? Because in a you know an organic and, and uh, you know chaotic in, in the sort of mathematical sense uh, society, those those things you know they might evolve, but but um, you know that it that it takes time and it's not guaranteed. How how, how did you go about making that happen? Well, um, I think sort of to answer that properly, you have to see uh, Norway as a society as well, which is highly digital and has been for a long time because. Every single part of the uh, the sector started digitalizing very early because prices and costs are high, especially labor costs. So therefore, and we're not too many people, so we need to use digital technology to actually make our processes more efficient. So all the banks have done a lot on the digital front for many years. So the real estate brokers and real estate agents and uh and we did so the same at the mapping authority. So in 2017, we had to renew our system, make it sort of uh, more up to speed with the new requirements. And then we we done our part as well. But we realized that everybody had done everything they could on their own parts, but uh, it didn't link together. And we couldn't get the benefits out any further because we relied on the others to do things. And uh, we actually... Um, Several, uh, basically, the financial sector took initiative together with some of the uh, public sector um, areas and said, "Listen, why don't we collaborate in a better way to actually see if we can make use of um, our experiences and uh, align on how to do things in the same order and the same priorities? Because then we might all get the benefits." Uh, so the unique thing about this collaboration, it's not government mandated. It is just basically all the different players in the market saying, listen, guys, so let's get together and sort this. And we don't have any legal obligations to sort it together. We just actually voluntarily sit down around the same room, around the same table and saying, agree on priorities. And sometimes that means we don't get what we want as fast as we want, but it's for the greater good and we get the main benefits out. And that's been the whole key to the success is the collaboration with uh, the Real Estate uh, Association and the Finance Association to actually make this happen. So um, what's is that the kind of kernel of your advice to us, if you like, as to as to, you know, how to make a difference? Because um, I don't know if you, you know, picked up when you uh, came over or, or picked up before, but it, it's been more than 20 years that um, we've had the ambition of having, you know, what we were called e-conveyancing, um, you know, back in, in 2002 when an act was passed to enable electronic conveyancing and there was this vision that it would all be done online or, you know, through a connected system. Um, and we're still, you know, attempting to realise that. Um, 
do you, what it, it sounds to me like the kind of um cornerstone of making it happen uh you know where there's a will um uh, and the technology technology is you know is able to 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 you know support the process that the real kernel of it is getting people uh, all to tackle the problem together in order <laughs> um you know with the same shared vision is that is is that the sort of yeah, that that is actually what we did because we realised that uh, working individually, we wouldn't get the benefits out of it. So it's all about joining forces and see if we want the same objectives. It's a lot easier working together to achieve them for the and everybody benefits. Um, but I think sort of the other key to it is, of course, it requires trust because there's no legal obligation. Uh, so there's a lot of trust between the parties to make this happen. And I think the key factor to that made this work for us is actually because it's not as if uh, we're trying to uh, revolutionize things we're saying okay let's be pragmatic about things we have an ambition we agree on what we want to do we think this will be better for everybody but where can we start so we haven't said let's rejig all systems and regulations and so on we've said okay these this is sort of the boundaries we have these are our parameters these are a system this is the legal setup so what can we do within that boundary or those parameters to make this work and then we did one step at the time and say okay let's start with this issue then uh, and doing it step by step and because that way you can actually get benefits while you go and you can also see that working together actually works and you can uh, learn to see okay did this work should we do it differently so it's all about thinking big starting small and being a bit pragmatic to get results as you go are you finished no, <laughs> I don't think we'll ever finish. Um, basically, so what's, what's, what's next? If it's on, on the marathon, I, you know, I, I love the the sort of um, you know take it step by step. You know, just uh, uh, keep going to the next water station and then <laughs> and then see whether you know uh, how much energy we've got left. But you know, where on the marathon are you then? Um, well, we started with the residential area properties because we saw that was the biggest volume area and that was the greatest impact in many ways. And we still have a lot of different areas that are more specific that we want to tackle. So we're doing that step by step. But I think the big thing for us now to tackle together, and this involves even more players uh, from uh, uh, both public sector and private sector, is we're actually trying to make it uh, easier to um, inherit property and do property transactions uh, through uh, the legal system in that sense because we find that uh, today even with property it's very difficult for um, people to understand what is the value of the property who owns it how do we actually get the legal implications in place and not only for property but all the financial areas that uh, are involved in um when somebody is deceased and how you actually inherit things. So we're trying to make that system very easy for all the people in Norway to actually get the information they need as the first step. And then we can make the processes easier going forward. So that's the next big thing we're going to tackle. That, that, um, that sounds, the implication of that is it sounds like there's, you don't think there's an awful lot more of value that you can do to the sales process. So. 
not to the sales process as such, but we still have the commercial area we need to do more in. We still have uh, a lot of farmland properties we can do more in. There are a lot of other legal obligations related to, related to property that we need to digitize. So there's still we're still only at 70 75%, and the last uh, 30% are going to be much more difficult to do. Uh, we've taken the big chunks, so now we have to do tackle the small specific areas. And maybe at some point we also need to look at legal uh, aspects of it and see if we need to change regulation, which is still ahead of us as well. Um, so what's the what's the value of this? Have, has, has anyone assessed the the benefits of the you know the difference you've made in the last you know what decade or whatever um, uh, you know, to the economy? to the way you know people behave any you know societal benefits that have been um, noticed or in, evidenced we actually estimated up front how much the value would be sort of approximately based on all parties uh, for society at large and in norwegian money it's over 13 billion which equivalent of about 1 billion pounds or something in our market so i would guess it's right. 10 times that for your market and and also it's time savings a lot of time savings for all the different players and for consumers and property uh, um, buyers and sellers but also there's an environmental aspect because we don't uh, transport paper around in uh, cars anymore to send it between the players so i think we've calculated that or estimated it's about 120 tons of paper that we or a million tons of paper that we will stop transporting around the system as well so there are a lot of implications of doing this that uh, reaches a lot further than we first uh, expected so um if you were to uh, uh come over here and um uh, uh and kind of tell us what to do if you gathered everyone around in a you know in a big in a big meeting room and said right the answer is you know do this what would be the kind of you know one two three things that you would say we we should focus on and and, and make a difference with Oh, as I don't know the UK market well enough, it's a bit difficult to give you a very direct advice on that. But I think sort of it's all about a lot of people will always say, oh, that's impossible. This is really difficult to do. And we've tried it before and don't quite see the benefits, etc. So at least in my experience, let's focus on the, on the ones who want to try do a pilot. Let's see if we can start there and get somebody around the table who really want to try this, who want to do things differently to see what can you actually get out of it. And once you have a showcase from that, maybe that will actually get the ball rolling to see, oh, and we can learn from it and we can tweak it. So um, I know that uh, it's a very big market in the UK. So start with a few players and see what you can get out of it. And then you can move from there and see what the opportunity really is. Thank you. Um, and finally, um, I, can I just ask some really n nerdy, if you like, questions about uh, about uh, Norway and and uh, you know from a sort of mapping and, and land registration point of view? Because um, uh, I, I I love Norway. I, I uh, my father worked in Oslo for a bit, and I you know spent a bit of time over there um, uh, skiing around uh, Oslo. Um, but I I've become slightly uh weirdly obsessed by um Svalbard which is the, uh, the uh set of islands uh way to the north of Norway in fact I think it's about as far north of Norway as the length of Norway itself which is extraordinary um and, and the settlement nearest 
I think there was it's kind of basically the settlement nearest uh, the north or the south pole and the whole of the world. I think, isn't it basically? So, but um, is, is is Norway fully mapped digitally? Is every, is every last you know square inch of it you know, registered? Is that is that not an issue? Well, we have uh, we have registered a big part of Norway, and we always keep having to go circles updating the data because it's never sort of up to date. We have to do it bit by bit. But I think uh, Svalbard, we have a lot of mapping in place and we collaborate with other public uh, sector companies to do that as well. Um, and um, But I think the main area where we have the least mapping and we have the biggest gap is actually the Norwegian Sea because that is uh, larger than the land areas. So uh, for us to actually get the uh, sea totally mapped and uh, the sea beds and especially with the economy boosting and uh, energy opportunities etc in the sea level that's going to be the big thing and um, and also in terms of Svalbard uh, you might want to know that as the mapping authority we're lucky enough to have uh, an establishment also on Svalbard uh, we are responsible for all land mapping up there and uh, all land registration at Svalbard we were that was uh, uh, mandated two years ago so we still have things to do the settlements there are slightly different though so it's a bit of a different job doing it but also from the mapping authority's perspective we have a earth observatory up in Svalbard that we were I was lucky enough to visit last year so uh, absolutely worth an experience if you get the chance to go to Svalbard um, would recommend it and um, it, it is the fact that it's you know, it's a country of you know, one and a quarter times the square area, I think, of the UK and, um, you know, less than a tenth of the population. Has that, um, it, it, because, you know, some, some people have said to me, well, you know, the comparison with Norway is, 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 is not fair because it's, you, you know, it's so much easier when it's such a smaller country. And I said, well, it's not. <laughs> it's a far, you know, it must have, um, you know, if you stretched out the coastline of Norway, it'd probably, you know, take you to the sun and back. It's it, it's extraordinary. So, um, had ha, is the scale of the the landscape um, been a, a, a challenge in digitizing property information, or is or is that sort of overcome by um, you know aerial photography and all that um, you know modern technology? Well, Norway is a challenge because. Uh... We're not only that we have a long coastline, which is very squiggly, but we've also got mountains and valleys and uh, we've got uh, a lot of different uh, areas. And what we've done, we've classified Norway in four parts, basically saying the city areas, you need to be very accurate, but we can be less accurate when you come to mountain areas. And we think that's going to change. So it's probably going to take us uh, time to use new technology to become more accurate and precise in mapping the rest of Norway. And also uh, what people don't think about often is that uh, Norway is actually rising in some areas and we're moving eastwards. And so it's not a static world we live in either. So with GPS coordinates, we need to make sure we know where we are at any point in time as well. So uh, quite an interesting um, world we're living in, especially when you come to uh, one is land registration, but the other thing is when it comes to autonomous vehicles moving in and how do we actually get that sorted as well. So uh, Norway is not an easy country to map, even though we're smaller, but it's, that means we have more remote areas and a lot of variation in challenges as well. Um, it, it sounds uh, a delightful problem and a, and a, and a, and a delightful um, place to visit. So um, look, Hannah, thank you so much. Um, it's uh, an, an inspiration um, in, in in so many ways because um, it 
as you say, it makes you uh, not only think that there is uh, a better way uh, that could be really different and 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 uh, in, a, in a way that actually makes a difference to people's lives, not just, you know, a, a marginal efficiency gain, but actually something that is truly transformative in the way that people experience moving property to the point where they actually think of it differently. It's not just it saves them a bit of time or a bit of money, but they actually think of it differently. And I think the the, the, the way you described how people perceive the risk on buying and selling shows that the absence of chains in the way that we have them shows that actually people end up, you know, with a with a different um, perception of what it is to sell, and actually that that impacts on their lives. And I, so I think, you know, that's that's the 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 prize. It's real in Norway, so it's it's not you know it's not theory. It's it's not imagined. But I also you know. Uh, really inspired by your um, take pigeon steps, you know, take a, you know, uh, do it bit by bit, but make sure that, um, you know, ev- you, everyone's walking with you um, and, you know, working together. And 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 that's, you know, very much uh, what the whole ethos of what we're trying to do with a digital property market steering group. So um, thank you. Uh, uh, Norway's an inspiration and thank you so much. Uh, you've been an inspiration too for, um, for all that you've given to us uh, your time today and and your time at the conference it's very much appreciated well thank you mike and thank you for inviting us to be part of your process and if you at any point in time would like to come and visit us in norway and visit our partners and see how this works in real life you're more than welcome i will stop on the way uh, to svalbard which um <laughs> is uh, is still a, an unfulfilled lifetime ambition to go and uh, uh spend an, an, a polar night uh, not the whole of the polar night it's about three months i think isn't it but um in uh, i'm going to pronounce this wrong long is that right anyway. that's very close for a size norwegian even <laughs> <laughs> thank you hannah thanks very much thank you this is property with a view available on all the usual platforms please do leave a review and a rating 